Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Thank you, for leading us today. I'm so glad that you guys are here uh, as we are in week three in a series called Better, where the idea is not to tell you, right, what to get better in in this new decade that we've all entered into in 2020, because chances are you already know what that is for you, and we're not saying get better in your health or even in your faith or even in finances in those areas. We just want to come alongside you in this series and help encourage you as you're doing your best to make some, some changes in what you feel like God has called you to do. And last week, we talked about how the, the obstacles that we have in front of us, we're not going to see them that way. We're going to see them as opportunities for God to stretch us, to, to grow us, that we've each been given this box that we're living in, and how we view that and how we see that really determines how we face the challenges that are in front of us today. I want to talk from this title right here. If you want to jot this down, I'm calling this Fight For It. Someone say Fight For It. How many of you know anything great that you accomplish in life takes a fight? You know that? Like it takes some fight. I think a lot of times we think God is just going to bless us, that if we seek God, that he's just going to have these extraordinary things happen in our life. But how many of you know that it takes effort? to see God's extraordinary things happen in your life. Come on, it takes some muscle to see the miracles that God wants to do in and through your life. Are you with me today? Come on, we're gonna wake up today because I feel like we're gonna do some fighting today. Turn to your neighbor right now and flex on them and say, look out, I feel like a fight. Tell them I feel like a fight. Anything great that you accomplish in life takes some fight, takes some struggle. It takes some challenges that you have to face. It takes a fight. Moms, you know this. If you've brought a little one into this world, it took a fight, didn't it? It was a fight. And some of you, you know that in order to keep them in this world and keep them alive, it takes a fight. It's going to like, hey, you are getting on my last nerves today. I'm going to, I brought you into this world. It takes a fight. For some of you, your NFL team to make the playoffs took a fight. If you're jumping on a, the Titans bandwagon or the, the Chiefs bandwagon, right, it took a fight for them to get there. It took a lot of time on the practice field. It took some sweat equity. It took some discipline. It took a lot of effort, right? It takes a fight for some of us, right, to continue to support that team that never makes the playoffs. It takes a fight. Like, I don't know why I'm still a Dolphins fan or a Cowboys fan. It's like, really? Seriously. It takes a fight. But anything good that happens in this life, I submit, it takes a fight. In fourth grade, I was uh, in a, on a Pop Warner football team. I don't know if we have Pop Warner football around here, but in Portsmouth, Virginia, kind of where I went to fourth and fifth grade was in Portsmouth, Virginia. I grew up on the streets. I'm like tough. Like I know I look soft on the outside, but inside I'm hard. There's some places I just can't talk about, all right? Like don't mess with my garbage pail kids or I'll cut you. So that, that's how I grew up. But I played Pop Warner football in fourth grade, and I was on the Warriors team. But we had a coach that took Pop, Pop Warner football very seriously at fourth grade. And he was like, you're going to stay as late as we can. Even when it gets dark, we're out there practicing, you know, day in and day out. And at the end, the last thing we always did was to run suicides. Does anybody remember suicides? Like you'd run to the five, run back, sprint to the 10, sprint back, sprint to the 15, to the 20. We'd go all the way to the 50. Like every time we'd end practice that way. But how many of you know it was worth the fight when we were at the end of the season standing there with the championship trophy in our hand. Come on, somebody. Like, we rolled up into elementary school the next day with a trophy and our Warriors jerseys on, and we're like, where are you at, Bears? 
that we beat them 12 to 0 in the game. Like it was worth it when we had the trophy in hand. And I think there are some things that are worth the fight. They're worth the, the payoff. After all, there's some things in this life that are worth the struggle, that are worth the battle. And you have to get to a place where something rises up inside of you and you'd say, you know what, this is worth the fight. I would say family is worth the fight. I would say your faith in God is worth the fight. I would say that your, your purpose and, and the plan that God has for you is worth the fight. So there has to be this determination that rises up inside of you that says, I'm going to take hold of everything that God has for me. That I'm not going to sit on the sideline, but this year I'm going to fight. Somebody say it takes a fight. Come on, it takes a fight. Here's what I know. A lot of us have lost our fight. And the reason that we lose our fight, there's a number of different reasons, in fact. But one of them is because we've lost some battles along the way. Like we know life is hard. We know there's some bumps and bruises along the way. And if you've lost some battles, a lot of times we lose our, our determination to fight. When we've lost a few battles along the way, uh, we can, we can uh, begin to wonder why even fight. And we can begin to kind of, kind of suck the fight right out of us when we lose some battles in this life. And here's what can happen when we lose battles. We allow the current of life just to take us wherever. We stop trying to be better. We stop pursuing these things in our life. We just allow life to take us the direction that it's going, at the pace and, and the, the speed at whatever. Have any of you ever been like tubing on a creek? I didn't say creek because there's no such thing, all right? That's something that happens in your neck. But if you've ever gone like inner tubing on a, on a creek where the water just takes you, like you don't have control of that. Like you don't control where you're going. You don't control the, the pace at which you are going. You don't control the direction. Like wherever that creek is going is where you're going. If it rained hard, you know, the few days before, like you could be trucking down that creek. If it, if it hasn't rained at all, you could be dragging along the bottom. I think for a lot of us, we've determined in life, I just don't have any fight left. And so I'm going to allow the current of life just to take me whatever direction it's going, and I just want to declare over someone's life today that you're going to get your fight back. Come on, that this is your day that you've determined, I'm going to get my fight back, that I have some fight left in me. Because when we lose our fight, we begin to put false limitations on our life. We begin to say things like, because um, we all have limits. We talked about it last week. We all live in this box, right? We have time limits. No one's going to live on this earth forever. We have financial, you know, resource limits, right? We, we have limits in some areas, but when we lose enough battles, we begin to put false limitations on our life. Like what, Colby? Like maybe some of you would say, you know what? My marriage like ended. It was terrible. It was tragic. I don't think I can deserve or will ever have a great marriage. Who told you that? Like who told you that? God didn't put that limitation on your life. Just because you had a, a, a bad marriage that ended in a divorce. Yeah, the Bible says God hates divorce. He doesn't hate divorced people. God loves you. God wants the, the best for you. He, he, he wants that. He hates divorce because it hurts his children. He knows how bad it hurts. But who told you that that was going to be a limitation, that you'll never have a great marriage? Like you've, taken, you, you've, you've been in a battle. You've been in a fight. Or, or you'd say, you know what, I'll never have margin in my finances because I've blown it. I've made some really bad decisions. We all have made some bad decisions in that area. But who told you? Right, that you would never find freedom in that. You take a few sucker punches, a couple you know, bloody noses and black eyes along the way, and we begin to limit ourselves. But today, I don't care how weak you feel. 
I don't care how many battles you, you think you've lost. I don't care if, if you're sitting here and leaning in on the front row or you're just staring at me in the back row. Whatever, I'm declaring that today, some of you, today is the day you get your fight back. Today is the day that something rises up inside of you and says enough is enough. I just believe that for someone. You're going to get your fight back. Now, some of us, I think, need to leave this room today with our head held high and our chest out a little bit more in this new year. That we got to leave this room feeling like we've got our fight back because if you don't get your fight back, here's the, the warning. You will exit this year the same way you entered it. Nothing will be different. Like you'll live your life on repeat over and over and over. And I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of living my life on replay. I'm sick and tired of being in this merry-go-round. I'm sick of the same struggles, the same sin patterns, the same addictions. Are you with me? Somebody needs to stand up and say today, you know what, enough is enough. Like, I'm done. I'm, I'm tired of this. Like, I'm going to, I'm enough Groundhog Day waking up and it's the same thing over and over. Like, I'm getting my fight back. Declaring today that you're going to get your fight back inside of you. And while we want that, I think a lot of times we want the miraculous things of God. That, that his miracles are just going to happen in our life. Breakthroughs just going to happen like that in our life in a kind of flash boom kind of way. And don't hear me wrong. God is the God of miracles. You should know that. He's not just the God of miracles in the Bible, right? Like, miracles weren't reserved for the super Christian or the, or the elite kind of, of Christian. Like, miracles happen today. In fact, I would say if you walk through these doors today and you're like, I can't see how this is going to happen. I can't see any way through this. I think this is impossible. Well, you are a prime candidate for God to do something amazing in your life. Because he loves to take the fact that you don't have any ability and push you to the front of the line where he's handing out miracles. He uses our inability as a platform to do amazing things in our life. So don't sulk, you know, don't hang your head and feel like, you know, you can't do anything about it. Like our inability to change anything is God's opportunity to do a miracle in our life. That's the reality of it. And a lot of us want to see that, but I submit today we want to see it from a distance. That we want to have God do these amazing things in our life, but we want to sit over here on the sideline and go, all right, God, do it. You take care of that breakthrough. You take care of, of making a miracle happen in my marriage. You take care of this in my life. And I've discovered that while God wants to bring us a victory uh, and we're waiting on God to bring a victory, he wants us to suit up for battle. I've discovered that, that while we want God to bring a miracle, he's waiting on us to bring the muscle. He's waiting on us to get involved in what he wants to do in our life. And that's not to say there aren't times where of his own volition, right, God will just say, Lazarus, get up and walk. Like he'll do that, and he can do that. He can snap his fingers in a moment and do that. But as you read through God's word and as I read through God's word, I would argue all day long more often than not, God's miracle requires our muscle. That God always attaches a command or attaches an, an instruction, right, to the miraculous things that he wants to do in our life. But a lot of times we sit back and we pray, God, do this. God, fix that. God, take care of this. You know, we'll even say things like, you know, I've been doing the 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I'm seeking you, God, for this breakthrough, you know, in my, my finances that, that just hopefully at the end of 21 days, miraculously, your finances are going to be fixed. Can I warn you right now? It ain't going to happen that way. But a lot of times we pray, God, do this miracle in my marriage. I need, a, I need a breakthrough. Just make it get better. And God's like, no, listen, I'll bring the miracle. 
but you bring the muscle. God often adds an instruction to his command. Jesus told the, 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 the lame guy, he said, hey, you want to walk? Pick up your mat. Like, you better do something about it. You better put some effort into this thing. You want to see again? Go wash your eyes. Like, you want the miracle, you bring the muscle. What did God say to, to Noah? He said, I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to rescue your family, but you got to get to work and build a boat, like a big boat. Like, I'm going to save you, but you got to get to work. Uh, Moses, I want to save my, my people. I've set them apart. They're going to be my chosen people, but you're going to go toe-to-toe with Pharaoh. You're going to have to tell him to let my people go. God wants you to get involved in the miracle that you want to see happen in your life. David, I'm going to kill Goliath, but you got to go grab five smooth stones from a creek, not a creek, and you have to, like, swing the suckers, hit him right between the eyes, and take him out. He says, I'm happy to bring the miracle but you bring the muscle. And I submit if you're gonna pursue better in your life this year, and if you are gonna have significant strides in any area of your life, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your finances, uh, relationships in any area, I promise you it will be because you were willing to fight. Tell your neighbor right now again, give me some room, I'm about to fight. Come on, let them know. We're gonna talk today. I'm gonna get you guys to talk back to me today if it's the last thing I do. An alternate title for this message would be Sun's Out, Guns Out. Here we go. Sun's Out. In this story with Joshua, God said, Joshua, I'm going to do this for you. Like, I'm going I'm to lead you through the promised land. I'm going to take down the walls of Jericho. But he says, I need you to do some things first. Hey, could it be that God, it's not that you've been waiting on God to do something in your life, but he's waiting on you. How tragic would it be for you to get to the end of this year and not have that thing that you've been praying for because God said, hey, I know you've prayed on it. I'm just waiting for you to act on it. How tragic would it be that you could have had your breakthrough, whatever it is you're seeking God for, three years ago, but you never took a step to do what it was that that God wanted you to do to get that breakthrough. See, I'm just determined this year, I'm going to get mine. Like all that God has for me, I'm not going to think about it, I'm just going to do it. I'm, gonna, I'm not just going to pray about it, but I'm going to get all that God has for me. And I want us to look at this story in Joshua and give you three things that I believe will help us engage in this fight. That will help us to take hold of everything that God has for us this year. If you're in your Bible, uh, Joshua chapter 6 verse 1 is where we'll be. While you are turning there. What's happening is the children of Israel have been rescued, have been delivered from Egypt. Um, They were in 400 years of slavery in Egypt under a wicked Pharaoh. And so, like, he called Moses and said, I want you to take my people, I want you to lead them out and take them to the promised land. And so they head to the promised land. And when they get there, they send 12 spies into the promised land and are like, hey, check out the land that God has given us. And so 12 spies go in, 10 come back and say, it's awesome, it's amazing, we can't do it. It's awesome, it's incredible, everything that, that you know, God has promised is there, but they're too big, it's too great for us. Two of them came back, Joshua and Caleb, and said, hey, like, we can do this. We can take hold of everything that God has promised us, but 10 spread fear throughout the camp. Let me just tell somebody this, that, that blessing, that great dream that God has placed in your heart, don't be afraid of it because it's too big. Because it's too great, because you can't see a way to do it. You just have to have faith to rise up inside of you and say, hey, God's promised this to me, so I'm going to take hold of the promise. And two guys did that. 
But the other ten spread fear throughout the camp, and because they refused to take hold of God's promise, God allowed an entire generation to die off. He said, all right, you can't go in. So they wandered in the desert in circles for another 40 years, never realizing that promise of God fulfilled. Listen, don't you wander, you know, in the desert of your life, continually in circles, you know, not fulfilling all that God has for your life. Because it could be you're not just giving up on the promise that he has for you, but it could be there is a shelf life to that promise. They, how tragic would it be to get to the end of your days and never be able to realize that promise, that, that thing that God wants to do in and through your life. That's where they were. And so he said, hey, you can't go in. And that generation died out. And so when that was over, that 40 years was over, God comes to Joshua, who was one of their original, you know, guys, the original 12 sent in that wanted to fight to take hold of the promise. And here's what he says, verse 1. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because the Israelites, and no one went in, and no one came, or no one went out, no one came in. So they, they had barred the, the gates, right? They had this huge wall around the city. And the Lord said to Joshua, this is God speaking to him. He said, see, someone say see. See, I've delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. See, I've already done this. Number one thing you need to write down is you have to see the victory. You got to see it. You have to have a vision for the victory, a vision for what the dream is, for what God wants to do and in your life and through your life. Joshua had to see it. It's hard for us to have direction and it's hard for us to know where we're going unless we can see it, right? He said, Joshua, I want you to see it. I've already given you victory. Before you even go to fight the battle, I've already given you victory. He had to see it. I wonder today, can you see it? Can you see the dream that God's put in your heart? Can you see the, the victory that God wants to give you? Can you see the, the fight, the end of the fight, how God wants to deliver you? Can you see it? Because you have to see it. You know, Walt Disney, he never saw with his eyes, actual eyes, Disney World in Florida. He saw Disneyland, but he never saw Disney World. Um, he died in the late 60s, I think. Disney World came about in the early 70s, so he never physically saw it. And I was talking to somebody about that, and they're like, man, isn't that a tragedy? You know, that, that he never saw this huge thing, you know, that he, you know, wanted to create. And I'm like, actually, he saw it. He didn't see it here, but he saw it here, right? He saw it in his heart. He had to have seen it, otherwise it wouldn't have existed. So you have to see it. And if you can't foresee it where it is you're going, like you'll never get there. He saw it. It's not going to happen in your life unless you first see it. So what is it? What is that dream? What is that vision that God has for you? Is it a healthy marriage? Okay, can you see it? Can you see what that looks like? I know it's tough right now. I know it's a struggle right now. I know you feel like you're at each other and you're at odds constantly, but can you get your head above water just for a few minutes to see what a healthy marriage looks like? Can you get your head above water just to see what, what passion for one another looks like again? Can you see it? Can you see what financial margin looks like in your life? I know it feels like you're drowning in debt, but can you, can you see it? Can you see what it looks like to go to that college that you're dreaming of? Perhaps. Can you see what it looks like to walk across that, that stage and get your diploma? You first have to be able to see it. 
Can you see the victory before the victory? Because how many of you know you travel in the direction that you see? Can you see it? Can you see the victory that God wants you to have? If all you see is struggle, if all you see is challenge, if all you see is, is um, disappointment, if all you see is all the bad, then that's going to be the direction that you go. Your life is going to be marked by disappointment and worry and distraction, not a sense that things will ever get better, not a sense that there is a, a victory on the horizon. Can you see where God is taking you. Here's what I know. If you can get a clear picture of that victory, if you can see the victory that God has for you, it doesn't matter what you go through. It doesn't matter the hard times that you go through because how many of you know there will be hard times in this life, right? It doesn't matter what the hard time it is you go through because you've seen the victory on the other side. Like you could walk through hell because you've seen victory on the other side. Are you with me? You got to see it. Can you see the victory that God wants to give you. So maybe right now things are tough in your marriage. You say right now it is a struggle and right now it is, you know, uh, trying and right now I don't see any, any love there. But you have to get to the place where you say, but I'm not staying in right now. Like I can see it. I know where I'm going. So maybe right now school is hard. And it's hard to wake up and get on the bus or wake up your freshman to get on the bus. Like that's where I am, right? But can you see? Can you see walking across that stage, getting that honors cord? You have to have a, a vision of the victory. You have to see it before you physically see it. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. In other words, my faith allows me to see that which I cannot yet see. It's by faith that I see it, that I have a vision for the victory. Do you see what God has for you? Do you have a vision of it? Because you'll walk in the direction of what you see. So maybe you see it, but everyone around you doesn't see it. Maybe you see it and you would say, you know what, by faith, like God is blessing me. I'm walking in the favor and the blessing of God in my finances. By faith, my marriage is getting stronger every single day. By faith, my child who is off far from God, they are coming home from God. I'm declaring it because I see the victory before this victory. And your friends would say, you're crazy. I don't see any of that. And you would say, well, you don't have to see it because I see it by faith. Are you with me? Like I see the victory that God wants to do before I get the victory. I need you to see it first. I think somebody here needs to hear that today. Like before you ever started marching, victory is yours. Like before January 1 ever came, right, you already had victory in your life. God has given you victory. You got to first see it. Verse 3 says this. This is the Lord speaking. He says, march around the city once with all the armed men and do this for six Days. Let me tell you how many armed men there were. In a previous battle, there were 40,000. Uh, historians will tell you there's probably about a million or so people represented with the nation of Israel during this time. But about 40,000 armed men. He said, get all those guys together and for six days march around the city. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing their trumpets. And I've also done some study, and it was maybe roughly about three-quarters of a mile around the city. So that's kind of the distance that they were perhaps marching. There's different things that 
you know, back and forth that say it was three quarters. It was a half a mile, but we'll just say three quarters. March around the city seven times on the seventh day. And when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout. Shout for victory, and then the wall of the city will collapse, and the people will go up every man straight in. Number two, not only can you see the victory, do you see the victory? Write it down. You have to plan for victory. you got to have a plan. The Lord told Joshua, here's the plan. Here's how this is going to happen. Like, I'll bring the miracle. you got to bring the muscle. Here's the plan I want to give you. Now, I know that having a plan doesn't sound super spiritual, Some of you are like, well, I wanted something different than a plan. Like, but can I tell you, it might be the most spiritual thing you do all year. You got to have a plan. Joshua had to have a a plan to win the battle. Like, so so he could win the battle. He couldn't just see it. Like, he had to have a plan for it. And God said, this is the plan. I need you to gather these guys up. I need you to line them up. I need you to put the priests out front. I need you to put the, the, the band out front and the horns out front. And I need you to put the ark out front. And I need you to march. I need you to march for six days. One time around every day. And then on the seventh day, do it seven times. God was giving him a clear, direct plan. You can see the victory all day long. But if you don't have a plan to get there, can I tell you something? You will live your life on repeat year after year after year. Things aren't going to get better. You're not going to get better in these areas that you want to get better in and grow in if you don't have a plan. And I think a lot of times we're asking God for a miracle. We're asking God to do something amazing and immediate in our life. And God's saying, I'll give you a plan. Like, I want to do that miracle, but I'll give you a plan to get there. Like, Colby, I want breakthrough. God, I'm praying for a breakthrough. I'm doing the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Give me a breakthrough. And God will say, I want to give that to you. You ready? Yeah, let's go. I want a breakthrough. All right, here's what you got to do. You got to come to 21 days of prayer and fasting. You got to every morning get up early. You got to seek me. You got to connect your heart to my heart through my word. Then I want you to spend time praying. I want you to spend time communicating with me. Then I want you to get in a group. I want to get you in Financial Peace University. If you want breakthrough in your finances, you got to do that. We have one starting pretty soon. Like, you got to do that. You got to get around some people that will hold you accountable. You got to get in the house of God. You got to get God's word deposited into your spirit. That's, that's what you got to do. And we're like, no, no, no. I didn't ask for any of that, God. I'm praying for a miracle. Give me a miracle. And God's like, oh, okay, here's what you got to do. You got to get in a group. You got to get up early. You got to get, you know, connected to my heart through my word. You got to start praying. You got to start seeking me. God's like, I want to give you that miracle, but I'm giving it to you in the form of a plan. Are you with me? I want to do that in your life. God, I need a breakthrough in my marriage. My marriage is on the rocks. It's struggling. I don't know what to do. God's like, all right, I want that for you too. I want that to be healed and restored. Here's what you do. You got to get around other married couples that are healthy, that are seeking God. You got to do it together. You got to get some accountability in your life. You have, to, you have to have a date night, actually put it on the calendar, maybe schedule an overnight together. And we're like, no, I didn't ask for any of that. I want a miracle in my marriage. No, you don't. You want God to change the other person because you're unwilling to change. That's really what you want. Let's be honest today. God's like, I want to do that too. But I want to give you a plan in order to get you there. Are you following me? It takes a plan. It's not enough just to see the victory. you got to have a plan to get to the victory. You say, I want, I want kids that love God. I'm going to back up on this one because somebody's going to throw something at me. I want kids that love God. 
I want kids that serve God. I want kids to find my, their identity in God because culture is tough. The world is tough. They're looking for identity in everything else. So, God, I want you to do a miracle in my kid's life. And God's like, okay, here's the plan. Teach them that the house of God is more important than athletics. Teach them that loving God and the house of God and serving God is more important than dance or theater. Are you with me? No, nothing wrong with those things. But those things can't take priority over God when you want God to be their strength and their identity for their, their life. Teach them that getting into youth groups, teach them that, that going to, to wide out to the retreat, you better. Are you with me? That God wants to give you a plan. God wants to do those things in your life. But a lot of times those miracles come through a plan. It takes our muscle. It takes our, our work in order to get us there. you got to plan the victory. you got to see it. Definitely see it, but you also got to plan for it. What does he say in verse 6? So Joshua, son of Nun, which by the way, Nun just means fish. I don't know. Son of a fish is what he was. <laughs> Called the priests, said to them, take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered all the people to advance. I love that word, advance. Like put this plan into action. Like, you got to go. God's given us a plan. I've seen the victory. He says Jericho has already delivered it into our hands. I've seen it. Told me to see it. He's given me a plan. Now we have to advance, march around the city with the armed guard, going ahead of the ark of the Lord. Listen, it's not enough just to see the victory. If all you do all day long is see it from year to year to year, you know what that's called? A daydream, a pipe dream, because you've never acted on it. Not enough to see it. And it's not enough just to, to plan for it. You can plan on things, but if you never execute that plan, it's not going to happen. Number three, write this down. Put the plan into action. Now you got to act on it. Now you have to advance. For Joshua, son of Nun, this is no small task, right? God said, I've given you this plan, and here's, here's I want you to see it. Here's the plan. Now go tell your guard, tell your army, this is your plan. So he's like, he has to organize his army, 40,000 of them. He's got to say, this is a plan that God's given us. You're not going to like it, but this is the plan. We're going to march around the city. He's got to put, put his guard out there. He's got to put his priests in front of them. He's got to put the worship team in front of them. He's got to get the ark, you know, lined up where, where it should go. And then he's got to march around the city for six days. And then on the seventh day, he's got to do it seven times. He's got a plan. But Joshua could tell him, I've seen the victory. And God's given me this clear plan, but now I have to execute it. Now I have to put the plan into action. What I want you to notice is he didn't just talk about it. He didn't just think about it. He didn't say, all right, let's have a meeting and talk about the plan that God has given us. He didn't scrutinize it. He didn't analyze it. He didn't point out every little thing that, that could happen or would happen in the plan. He just did it. He executed it. In fact, he didn't even just pray about it. Can I talk to some church people today? Hey, he didn't just pray well, let's, let's, let's first pray. Do you know a lot of church people use prayer as an excuse to do nothing? Colby, I hear you say get in a group, how a group will save your life, how you need to be in community, that the church in Acts was all about gathering together in small groups, doing life together, being accountable, you know, doing all, all these things, living life. No one's meant to live life alone, that you have to have that in order to grow. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray about that. Are you kidding me right now? 
You're going to pray about something God's word tells us we need to do? Like, uh, uh, you should serve God. Because the Bible says, serve, serve God. You are, you, are, you know, the, the last shall be first, the first shall be, be last, right? You are more blessed, you know, those who serve the Lord. In fact, Jesus said, hey, let me wash your feet. And the disciples said, no, 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 don't wash our feet. And Jesus was like, yes, I'm washing your feet because I'm modeling for you what you need to do for others around you. Okay, Colby, I'll pray about that. Really? A lot of times we use prayer as an excuse for inactivity. Bring the whole tithe to the storehouse of God, that there may be food in my house, that ministry can happen, that lost people can be found, that people will find life and liberty in Christ, that hungry can be fed, right? That people who are hurting can be helped. Okay, I'll pray about it. Listen, at some point in time, you have to stop praying and you have to start marching. At some point in time, you have to stop giving excuse after excuse and you have to start executing. You have to start advancing. You have to start doing, working the plan that God has given you. Are you with me? Come on, we got to move. We have to do what God has told us to do. Start working the plan. Put the plan into action. But here's what I've discovered is that a lot of times we want the win without the work. We want the trophy. We want the prize. We don't want to do the work that it takes to get there. I coached a, a season one summer season of youth soccer, four and five years olds. Never again. <laughs> that was an exercise of patience. Just running around the field, right? Like picking daisies and shoving them up their nose. And I was, and at the end of the season, they're like, Coach, where's our trophy? Trophy? Get a trophy? Like you didn't win a game. Well, you, we don't keep track of score. I keep track of score. You didn't win a game. Are you with me? Like all you did is sit on the field and pick daisies the whole time. You don't get a trophy. We want a trophy. And I had these big eyes looking up at me. We want a trophy. So I finally caved, right? I gave in. But I think we do the same thing. We want the win. We don't want to put the work in. And what did he tell Joshua? Joshua, he didn't just say start marching. And as you start marching, the walls are going to come down. He said, no, you have to march on day one. And then you got to get up and you got to do it on day two. And then you get up and you got to do it on day three. In fact, you have to march six days. You just have to keep going and going and going. And you're not going to see any evidence that I'm moving. You just have to do it. You have to put the plan into practice. And then on day seven, you have to get up and you have to march around seven more times. That there can't be any kind of quit inside of you, that you just have to keep going. You just have to keep marching. See, I'm hoping and praying to God that a spirit of, of not quitting would rise up inside of somebody this year. That you would say, you know what? I'm not just going to be a great starter. I'm going to be a great finisher. That I'm going to march on day one. That I'm going to march on day two. That I'm not just going to march in January, but I'm going to march in February and March and April and May. You can't get me to stop because I've seen the victory before the victory. Come on, stand up to your feet. If you know God is calling you to a victory in your life, it's going to take you to move. It's going to take you to march. Come on, let's lift our voice one more time. All you have is let the praise go up as the walls come down. All creation, everything with breath is 
Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.